everyone, and welcome to the first ever episode, yay, of Just Plain Wrong, the podcast where three Mennonite librarians discuss Amish fiction and depictions of Amish, Mennonites, and other plain groups in pop culture. In this episode, we will be introducing ourselves, uh, talking a little bit about Mennonite and Amish history, and just really sharing how this podcast came to exist. So I'm going to start by introducing myself. Um, I'm Erin miller Milanese, and um, I've spent pretty much my entire life moving between Mennonite towns, starting with uh, Germantown, Philadelphia, where I was born, um, and then Southeast Iowa, Wellman, uh, where I spent most of my formative years. And my adult life has been primarily in Indiana, uh, both in Goshen and now in Indianapolis, which is probably the least Mennonite place I've ever lived, but I literally live around the corner from one of the Mennonite churches here. <laughs> so anyway, what else? Um, I majored in history at Bluffton College, which is a Mennonite university in Ohio, and I have my master's in library science. Uh, so I'm a librarian and I do some instructional technology work. Uh, I have a husband, Matt, who I'm sure you'll hear about on this podcast and a cat who you might hear meowing in the distance. So the podcast, um, I've been trying to come up with a podcast idea for quite a while. Uh, I like telling stories and I think presenting information and facts is, is an interesting idea, but despite liking to perform, um, I get stage fright when I'm doing it in front of people. So uh, I thought podcasting seemed like a good medium where I could talk a lot, but not be visually seen by all of you scary people watching me. Uh, so my initial idea was to do something related to old Jello recipes and have a podcast where I made people eat them and then talk about how gross they were. Um, but then two things happened. One was the pandemic hit and it no longer seemed like a good idea to serve food to people. Um, but I also received one of the Jello cookbooks in the mail. And let me just say the recipes were horrifying. Barbecue Jello cabbage jello <laughs> just terrible terrible things and i didn't want to eat them either so i was brainstorming other ideas and uh you know they always say to do what you know and it dawned on me that i know a lot about amish and mennonite history i was a history major i worked in the mennonite historical library etc and then i did a search on itunes and was a bit shocked to discover there was not a podcast already talking about either um, Amish fiction or Amish history in general. Anyway, so that's how I came up with the idea. And then I knew it, I wanted it to be a collaborative project. Uh, and I invited my colleagues, Abby Knopfsinger and Tilly Yoder, who also happened to be Mennonites and history majors and librarians. We're basically three iterations of the same person. <laughs> Um, so I invited them to join me and uh, they said, yes, yay. Um, so Abby, I've talked enough. Why don't you introduce yourself and share some fun facts and comment on why you decided to join me? Awesome. Hello, my name is Abby Nafziger. Um, and like Aaron said, I spend my days working as a librarian uh, and most of my evenings and weekends spent caring for two small children. I was born in Lancaster, Pennsylvania to a Mennonite family, which was part of the second generation to move away from plain clothing or more conservative dress and the family farm. Uh, while I am part of the progressive or liberal portion of the Mennonite church, I still have family members who have maintained a membership in the more conservative parts. My family moved to Goshen, Indiana when I was 10 and I majored in history at Goshen College. 
Um, and then I went off to Chicago and Seattle where I spent 10 years, got a master's in science and library science, got married, and then returned back to Goshen to start working at my alma mater. I am married to a Scandinavian Lutheran from the Pacific Northwest who provides an excellent balance to my Midwestern obsession with ranch dressing and potatoes. And in my free time, I enjoy reading, baking, and eating baked goods. <laughs> um, so why I decided to do the podcast, honestly, as a relatively new parent, I'm about two and a half years into the process. It can be hard to feel like any part of my life is my own anymore. So starting a new project that would involve creativity, reading, learning, and some fun was appealing. Throw in the chance to have two excellent accountability partners to share the work with, and I was pretty sold. Um, fun fact, I actually read kind of the authoritative book on Amish romance novels, Thrill of the Chaste by Valerie Weaver Zucker back in 2015. And as I was looking it up this evening, thanks to my Goodreads data, I can tell you I finished it exactly five years ago today. So that feels like a fitting fact to, to do for our introductions. Well, thank you. Uh, Valerie, uh, we've all read or are reading your book. So if you ever happen to listen to this, we want to interview you, contact us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, our second co-host is uh, Tilly, or our third co-host. Oh, there's three of us. The third one that's going to share today is Tilly. So uh, take it away, Tilly. Yeah, I am Matilda Yoder. I go by Tilly, which uh, is in fact a major component of a book that I have yet to read called Tilly, The Men and I Made, which is considered one of the earliest uh, bonnet novels out there. I think we should put it on our list to read at some point. I was at a party for a friend's birthday doing Mennonite things like playing Euchre. And somehow it someone asked for an update on work. And because I'm a cataloger at the Mennonite Historical Library, I was giving them the lowdown on Amish books that crossed my desk. And I pulled out the list of some of the funniest titles um, and just started my spiel and someone said this is good stuff you should start a podcast <laughs> um and i sort of dismissed it thinking like yeah this is like my party trick it doesn't need to be a podcast um but it sort of remained in the back of my head that i should actually read some of the many many bonnet novels that are out there and try and understand them uh see what it is that makes them so appealing. And as someone who was raised Mennonite, but in a not particularly strong Mennonite area, I am sort of used to explaining what it means to be a Mennonite to non-Mennonites. And I thought, okay, this is, this is something that I can work into. It will give me direction during a pandemic give me something to read and analyze, um, get me to brush off some history skills. Uh, so I'm, I'm quite excited to see what sort of things we find. Yeah. So I, I won't lie, and I think I've confessed this previously, but I sent that email and I made the mistake of sending it fairly late at night. So of course I didn't hear anything back till the next day. And I was like, oh no, they're gonna think this is the worst idea. This is a terrible idea. <laughs> it's a good idea. So, 
thank you both for responding fairly early the next day to put my anxious mind at ease um, and agreed to learn to podcast with me. Um, Cause yeah, that's the other thing. We're all kind of learning as we go, how to do recordings and edit audio and figure all this out. Um, so now a little about the podcast. Each week, we are going to meet and discuss and critique depictions of Mennonites and Amish, uh, primarily Amish, because that's what most of these fiction books uh, focus on, um, but how they're depicted in popular culture. Um, and it's our goal to critique these books for accuracy, but in a comedic and generally loving way. And uh, we've read a few books already in preparation for this podcast. And now that we've read a few, I kind of get why they're so popular. Like we always kind of made fun of them, but now that I've read them, I get it. They're like Hallmark movies in that very predictable and happy and easy and calm. And uh, right now with a pandemic and other chaos in the world, it's just kind of nice to have this uh, predictable light thing to, to read. Um, most of the books we'll read will probably be in the Amish romance genre, uh, which are sometimes called bonnet rippers. Um, all three of us have worked in the Mennonite Historical Library at some point. Uh, Tilly is the only one still working there. She's currently a cataloger. So she's had the pleasure, maybe pleasure in quotes, I don't know, <laughs> of working directly with these texts as she tries to put them in the collection. So Tilly, can you tell us a little bit about Amish romance and Amish fiction based on your work at the MHL? Sure. Um Amish fiction and other bonnet novels uh, have been around for a good while, but they, with especially with things like Rosanna of the Amish, Tilly Mennonite Maid, Sabina, an Amish story, are some of the earlier ones. Uh, but they didn't really take off until Beverly Lewis uh, published The Shunning in the 1990s. And when she did that, it struck a chord among readers, um, particularly people who were looking for inspirational romance, romance that was considered cleaner or um, more religiously aware. Um, and it took off. I think as of about 10 years ago, there was something like one Amish novel published every week. I'm pretty sure that number has gone up judging by the books that have crossed my desk. Uh, especially once you take into account self-published books. Um, we have some authors who, even if they're writing smaller novellas or full novels, will churn out, you know, six to 12 in a year. Um, all of, you know, varying quality. Uh, and so I am well accustomed to sort of making fun of these books. Um, with a little bit of affection. The covers can be photoshopped kind of badly. Sometimes you'll see someone and, and everything will look technically correct, but they'll be wearing makeup and you just think, mm-mm, yeah, that's not right. Um, one of my favorite ones across my desk recently involved a man standing on a plow that was being pulled by a horse, but he seemed to be plowing a field that was full of green corn, uh, which is not <laughs> when you would be plowing. Um, <laughs> So I, I like to pick these sort of things apart, but um, as with anything so large and popular and monolithic, there are a variety of angles and approaches to take. There are now Amish murder mysteries, detective novels, thrillers, um, books aimed at children, spin-off cookbooks, sci-fi fantasy versions, Amish time travelers, 
Amish Vampires in Space is one that we really must read. Mm -hmm. Um, There is even recently a burgeoning uh, LGBTQ Amish romance overlap, um, which is something that I personally wouldn't have suspected. Um, But pretty much if there's a genre out there, it can be Amishified. Uh, So we will have many, many things to look at for a long time to come. I feel like we could propose Amishified as an alternative title to this podcast. Um, so thanks, Tilly. Uh, she didn't mention it in her intro, but Tilly is also our resident farming expert. Uh, so these books often mention things about farming. Abby and I did not grow up on farms. We know little about farming, but Tilly Tilly knows all, <laughs> all about the farms. Um, So that's a little on Amish fiction. Uh, It's also important to address just briefly some things about Amish and Mennonite history and also our personal backgrounds and the perspective we bring to this this podcast. So as we've mentioned, we all grew up Mennonite in North America and all three of us have Amish ancestry, but there are several different types of Mennonites, Amish uh, related groups, and all of these have a slightly different historical path. In pop culture and popular media, the depictions are mostly of playing groups, uh, mostly Old Order Amish, but the umbrella of what falls into Mennonite or Anabaptist or playing is much wider than that. And we don't have time to go into the nitty gritty of all this. There's literally volumes of books written on this, Um, but it seems important to cover some of the basics. So uh, Abby, I'm going to turn it over to you for a brief history lesson. Well, I do feel that it is important to confess, being Mennonite, that I did um, write write up this little uh, history lesson with significant aid from uh, Wikipedia. So um, in my quick review of the relevant articles, I will say they look pretty good. Um, So they're an excellent place to go for a quick summary. There's many, many, many more books by way more authoritative viewpoints on this. So like I said, this is a very short version. So whenever you simplify things, you tend to get them a little bit wrong. So bear with me. Um, So Mennonites and Amish do share a common theological past, both identify as Anabaptists, and often the third um, group within this umbrella is the Hutterites, um, which have their own interesting history. But Anabaptists trace, uh, go back to the Radical Reformation which took place in the 16th century. Um, And this happened kind of alongside slightly after during the Reformation, which was the the, um, big kind of split or creation of the Protestant movement, which broke off from the Catholic church. And Protestants um, uh, kind of split over a number of issues surrounding church authority, indulgences, purgatory, and a number of different things. then the Anabaptists kind of come along and wanted to take it a step further uh, and really advocated for some of the big things that they wanted to advocate for were the separation of church and state, um, a, um, a perspective of, of nonviolence or non-resistance, and also viewing um, baptism as an adult choice, which at the time was a really big deal because um, baptism was done to infants and was part not only of people joining the church, but also membership within the state. So Anabaptists became wildly unpopular with both groups, which led to persecution. Um, And that is an ethos which continued to shape the Anabaptist theology and thought for 
many years up to today. I think there's a, you could write many dissertations about how Anabaptists view themselves as a, um, as a kind of suffering or um, persecuted people. Um, the Amish split off. Uh, well, I guess I am viewing this as from the Mennonite perspective, but the Amish split off from the other Mennonite Anabaptists in 1693 over a number of issues, including the idea of shunning. And um, both Mennonites and Anabaptists continued this strong tradi tradition of splits and schisms throughout their history. Um, I will just say a shout out here to Steve Nolt. If you ever have the chance to have him diagram the various splits and merges and movements of this conglomeration. It is a, um, a sight to behold, I highly recommend. Um, so the vast majority of present day Amish do live in the US. Um, some live in Canada too, but the vast majority in the US with the states, um, the states that have the highest Am Amish populations are in order, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Indiana. And Amish also continue to be one of the fastest growing religious groups, um, thanks in part to both their tendency to have large families, like six, seven children or more. Um, and they also have a very high retention rate, which is fascinating um, for what many would consider to be a fairly rigid lifestyle. They, many Amish children, if not most, uh, stay in the faith and, and maintain those traditions. Um, Mennonites have kind of an interesting different history while they are the larger of the two groups. They are, um, uh, have a number of different um, depictions. Some are, some are plain, some are more progressive. You have a whole range. And uh, interestingly enough, they are out, now actually more numerous outside the United States than within. In fact, the largest number of Mennonites in the world live in the, um, live in the continent of Africa. Um, yeah, so that's just a very quick summary uh, of which there is much more to say. Thanks, Abby. That was a big ask and you you did brilliantly. Um, I agree with the Steve Nolt thing. I believe I saw him do it and it takes up like an entire wall to just sort of draw out all the, the schisms and, and various mergers that occurred afterwards. Um, all right. So just to reiterate, uh, most of the books and movies we will be talking about are very focused on the Amish and in particular Amish within the U.S. context. Um, and so because of that, these books and media that we will be reviewing are uh, primarily very, very white and very heteronormative, though, as Tilly pointed out, representation in Amish fiction is is slowly increasing to include um, a bit more diversity. Uh, we're going to end this episode uh, just by sharing some of uh, some personal stories. So a main theme of this podcast will be things Amish fiction gets wrong about Mennonites and Amish. So I thought maybe it'd be fun for us to each share a story of a time you interacted with someone and that person was very confused about what a Mennonite was. Uh, so Tilly, you're up first. All right. Um, so even though I, I grew up in central Ohio and I grew up on a farm, I was not in an area where there were a lot of Mennonites. In fact, uh, most of my school years prior to college were spent in Catholic educational institutions. So I had some interesting crises of faith, which we can talk about in later podcast episodes, but I was pretty used to people being like, what, what is this? What are you? 
why why are you um but despite that the best story i've got about people getting confused about what mennonites are who mennonites are came when i was working at the mennonite church usa archives which is my first real job um out of college my first non-farm job and i got a call from a patron whose name i never did learn and right off the bat when i picked up the phone and asked how i could help her she said mennonites are the lost tribe of israel and i said i'm don't quite know what you mean can i can i help you can can you give me some more information about you know, what you're interested in. And she said, I heard that Mennonites are the 13th tribe of Israel and that they came to America and they got lost in the Rockies. And at that point I thought, okay, well, some of this tracks with Mormonism and Mennonites and Mormons often get confused in my experience. And I believe there's something about, you know, uh, people from Bible times making it to America, but I'm, I'm not really qualified to talk about that. So I started reading a Wikipedia article to her and saying, is this, is this what you're interested in? Uh, you know, I can tell you about the European history of, of Mennonites, if you want. I, I know a fair amount about that. Um, and partway through my explanation, she just said, oh, and hung up. So I just know that now there's someone out there who knows that Mennonites are not the lost tribe of Israel. <laughs> oh, that's excellent. <laughs> Good job enlightening her. All right, Abby, do you have a story? Well, I kind of hemmed and hauled on this one. I don't have a really great story about someone being confused about Mennonites or Amish, but in reflecting on this, I did think that maybe I should talk a little bit about um, romance um and my own connection um with being i guess a mennonite in that context so as a little bit of so i thought i might share a little bit about how um my husband alex and i met um i was living in chicago and he was living in seattle at a house with some mutual friends and i on a visit happened to notice him i thought he was interesting and attractive and um I made the mistake of telling my, my, one of my good friends who um, was a part of this house that I thought that, and she immediately announced that we had to get married because he did house chores and spoke French, um, which were, I, to be fair, two very strong qualifications. So um, I decided that I should probably do something to maybe indicate some interest to him. So I racked my brain and decided that I didn't want to friend him on Facebook and I didn't want to, I didn't quite know what to do. So I decided to start writing him letters. So I wrote him a letter and he wrote back and that continued for a while. And then we started sending emails and then we eventually, um, finally, well, that lasted about a year. And then finally, I was like, I think he doesn't quite understand why I'm writing him letters. So I was finally a little more direct, which is a non-Mennonite trait, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. And um, eventually he, he, he was quite, he was surprised to learn that this random woman who had been writing him letters was actually also interested in dating him. But fortunately, he was interested too. So long story short, we uh, eventually, I moved to Seattle and um, 
we got married and then I dragged him back to the Midwest with me. So that's my, um, I guess my more uh, an indication of, of the romance aspect than the Mennonite, but. Has he grown to love ranch dressing? No, he still thinks it's really weird when I put it on things. To be fair, it is weird to put ranch dressing on things. It's also just delicious. So <laughs> I, I don't let the weirdness bother me. I also think your story, if we ever, as a podcast, need to write our own Amish romance novel, I think we could adapt uh, your love story. Um, they could be writing letters back and forth in the Amish newspaper, the Sugar Creek Budget, and yeah, just a lovely tale. I like this. Publishers, and then Tilly if you're can catalog listening. It. Yes, and then Tilly can catalog it. <laughs> I would say it is NaNoWriMo right now, National Novel Writing Month. So okay. if, if this podcast has, has picked up steam in a year and we've got the energy, maybe we need to write one. There we go. It feels like the logical conclusion. It's <laughs> 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 to write a book. So my story is perhaps I would say the most common misconception or one of, I don't, I don't know, but um, like Abby, I've spent most of my life in communities that have a lot of Amish and Mennonites. So I, I don't, I didn't experience any of these misunderstandings regularly. Um, but one story does stick out. Um, I went to uh, Iowa Mennonite school, which is now named Hillcrest Academy, which is in Southeast Iowa. And it was, a very small school, like 100, 150 students. Um, but somehow, despite being very, very small, the basketball teams were consistently very good. And while I was in high school, uh, I don't exactly remember how many times, but the boys and women's, uh, boys and girls basketball teams both qualified for state, the state tournament several times. Um, and these were held in Des Moines, which is about an hour, two hours, I don't remember, <laughs> drive from IMS, but a fairly significant drive. And, you know, we had our special state bound t-shirts that said Iowa Mennonite on them. And I remember uh, passing in the hallway, some fans from one of the opposing teams and them just being like, where, where is that? And saying, oh, it's over South of Iowa city. And them just like their faces, like just looking so shocked and then asking how long did it take you to get here? <laughs> Can't even tell without laughing because they literally thought we had taken horse and buggies all the way from Kelowna to Des Moines in, you know, November or December. Anyway, so uh, Amish do buggies, Mennonites drive cars. Anywho, <laughs> so that's my story. Um, we would also love to hear your stories, whether you are from Mennonite background uh, or if you're not and you have questions or want to share your experiences or encounters with plain people, uh, please let us know. Um, we have an email set up at plainwrongpod at gmail. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter or Instagram at plainwrongpod. And thanks for tuning in. We will be back next week. <laughs>